Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up. Or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, Josh here. Do you feel like mainstream options for things such as yoga, meditation, or documentaries and films meant to expand your mind are lacking? Have you heard of Gaia? Gaia is the largest resource of consciousness-expanding videos. Both Stefan and I have watched several of the series, documentaries, and films available on topics such as the secret space program, channeling interdimensional beings, and alien encounters. We're just now exploring the over 8,000 films, shows, and classes available to stream on your favorite devices. To get your 10-day free trial of Gaia, go to fearscapepodcast.com slash Gaia offer. Again, that's fearscapepodcast.com slash G-A-I-A offer. Hello, I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms. Ghosts, cryptids, aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep. Into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another frightening episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. I am so thankful that you guys have decided to tune in with us once again. My name is Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined as always by my ghoulish co-host. And I say ghoulish because we got one haunting episode tonight. Mr. Josh Rutledge. Why, thank you. That, that, <gasps> is, that is actually... <gasps> Sorry, you scared me, man. It's, it's, it's a ghost. <clears throat> I scared you with my boredom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, it's, uh, it is a really good episode tonight. And I think you'll be, uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised uh, that I did not work aliens into this one. I... Uh, well, we do have our UAP sighting. Other That's week. true. The ep- um, I didn't say the episode wasn't <laughs> just, 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 just the the, uh, the main the main event, if you will. 
Uh, so as you guys know, uh, we were supposed to have Vashti Hooper on tonight. Um, she ran into some uh, personal stuff that came up at the last minute, and so we wish her well, as we usually do. And we will, I promise, have her back on the show. Uh, but we just wanted to give her a shout-out because we love her so much. What up, Vashti? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah, so we got a great show tonight. We're going to be talking about... Uh, another Warren case from the Warren files from Ed and Lorraine yep. Warren. And let me and let me just say this right now. After researching this case, um, I am even more skeptical of the Warrens. Yeah, I've been hearing that quite a bit. Like over the years, it's like the more and more you get and dig into stuff, especially not from their point of view. Yeah, uh, it changes things, especially how. Um, glorified they have become through the yeah. movies and stuff. But don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm still an Ed and Lorraine Warren fanboy. I mean, they are one of the, you know, uh, topics, people that got me into paranormal stuff was reading some of their stuff when I was a kid. So, you know, I, I can't I can't not. And like everything, you got to take it all with a grain yeah. of salt. You know, some well, truth. Yeah. Some... So usually we'll, we'll get into the story a little bit later. But, and you, you know, I've got some points that, from both sides, we'll we'll see. You know, you can you can draw your yeah, own. Yeah, we didn't even say what it is yeah. yet. We're going to be talking about the haunting in Connecticut or the Snedeker haunting, right? Right, and so that's what we're going to be talking about. Haunting in Connecticut does sound better than Snedeker. It's just a weird name, like Smurl. Smurl was a weird <laughs> name. Well, as well, I mean, technically, it was it was the Snedeker haunting, which they spun the movie for haunting in Connecticut, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I have seen it referred to even in the Warrens books as. The Haunting in Connecticut. Okay. So, um, which the movie was pretty good. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, well, before we get into that, let's go ahead and move into our psychic word of the week. And now, the psychic word of the week. That's right. Our psychic word of the week comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from Dr. June G. Bletzer. Rest in peace, honey buns. I uh, love this dictionary here. I have flipped through the pages until we just stopped on a random page. We uh, have landed on uh, page 620. And uh, there is a lot of good words and terms through this whole kit and caboodle here. I yep. mean, especially because we're in T, so telepathic is like 90% of both these pages, yep. something or other. But the one that grabbed my eye first, which is how we play this game, was telepathic transmission of illness. That's a mouthful. Yeah. It is a mouthful. The USS telepathic transmission of illness. That's, that's what I'm going to call or, my or, spaceship. Or a TTI. Or a, T, or a TTI. That, now, that sounds like an odd UTI. And uh, <laughs> whew, that, that just is going to hurt. Uh, but anyways, telepathic transmission of illness. It says the transfer of an illness, regardless of distance, between two people who have a close relationship. An unconscious transfer results in the receiver remaining ill until the sick person is better. In a deliberate transfer, the psychic absorbs the illness into his or her body to relieve the patient, and then the psychic dissipates the illness. Some healing practitioners use the latter method, especially in primitive tribes. The former method can result in many admirers of a great leader taking on the symptoms of the leader and not feeling well until the leader is well. Um, this is a loaded word yeah. Um, because she actually talked about a couple things in here 
Um, and I guess, you know, like anything, you can have terms that mean the same thing. Um, but initially, the first thing that grabbed my attention was this sympathetic sickness yeah. is essentially what well, I would have called it. It, it, it kind of sounds like, you know, people have... Uh, when their spouses are pregnant, right, right, they have they usually have sympathy sickness that goes along with it, right. The, you know the, the uh, you know the uh, the other person uh, gets you know morning sickness or, or they back get pains. back pain or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or get bunions on their feet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing that that really popped in my head is uh, the Green Mile, the movie. Oh yeah, with the you know the, so that you know the uh, what they call that what was the guy's the character's name? I can't think of it. Joe? No, I don't. I know. can't remember. But anyways, you know, so the so the the, the guy that would, you know, took the met, you know, took the pain away and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's it's that kind of thing. Yep, absolutely. And um, you know, not only couples experience this, but mothers will experience this when their kids get sick. Um, just a lot of. things. I mean, you you know you you were having tooth pain, and I had tooth pain. Tooth, yep. So I had a sympathetic. Uh, tooth pain? Yep, I understand. Man, did you feel your tooth get ripped out, shaved, and put a crown on? No. No? Okay, no. well, you didn't sympathize for that part, the part I needed you to. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the other part talks about um, uh, empaths in a way, um, or as we like to call them, Santosh and I when we were college, because they called me this, psychic dumpsters. Um, they can also be uh, termed um, emotional vampires in a lot of ways. Um, and, that, uh, and just like I said, healers can take on the illness of someone else. Uh, and the way it works with empaths and stuff is by taking their emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So you see somebody upset, all of a sudden you're upset, and that person's feeling fine, right? That's well, a true sign of being an empath. Well, and so that happened uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, my wife came home. She had a terrible day at work. Um, and she just was, was feeling really down. Uh, I went in to comfort her, and then, like, I started feeling horrible, and she started feeling better. Oh, I remember you talking yeah. about that. I forgot about that. And, and, you know, of course, you and Santosh told me to be careful about that because, yeah. you know, she could become dependent upon. Exactly. Um, people do. People can become dependent on that, and that's where a lot of bad relationships in terms of friendships, family, all sorts of stuff unintentionally can happen. Right. Because then they get mad at you when you don't take away their pain, and they don't even realize why. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's why they used to nickname me the psychic dumpster because I always used to take on everybody's pain and, yeah. uh, when in college. And this is when I first got into um, new age stuff and paganism and stuff. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I guess a lot of abused kids can tend to do this because they don't want people to suffer yeah. as well. But yeah, I just, it's, it's interesting. And I've learned over the years, and this is where the healing part takes in is that you don't need to take on that from someone. Yeah. You can use something like Reiki or another type of healing to filter that out of them and into say the ground because the earth can take that energy right. and turn it back into flowers or nutrients or or things like that. So. Well, and you know that one time that you that you took that person's clap, would that make you a, <laughs> a psychic dumpster fire? Uh, no, because they 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 also still had the clap. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> that was just an STD, not okay. a TTI. <laughs> so yeah, awkward. Um, sorry about that. Laura Beth, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyways, somewhere uh, Laura Beth is listening. Like what, what the, the hell? hell? Um, so uh, yeah. So anyways, let's get out of here. I'm done talking about my TTIs, and uh, let's move right into spooky news because I got a humdinger. All 
All right, so like I said, spooky news is kind of a creepy one this week, man. Um, I was actually sent this from someone, uh, or yes, if that makes sense. Someone sent this to me and was like, have y'all heard about this yet? And I was like, no, how did I not? How did this not show up in my list of news? Um, But what the headline is is, uh, from Euro Weekly News. This is the People's Paper. Oh, okay. um, it says 81-year-old it's Russian the Rocks newspaper. Yeah, 81-year-old Russian woman returns from the dead after spending a night in the morgue. And this, this is why in Buffy and in the Anita Blake Vampire Hunter series, like you wait in that morgue until sunrise, right. To, right. and then, then if they don't move, you're good. If they if they move, you kill them. Right vampire, but I don't know if this this woman was a vampire or not. Uh, but here's what the story says. It says, a Russian grandmother returned to life after spending the night in the morgue hours after doctors, plural, had declared her dead. The woman gave a hospital worker the shock of her life when she returned from the dead after spending the night in a freezing cold Russian mortuary. God, so that's just in Siberia outside. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, if, if you're old, if you're an elderly person in Russia, you've probably seen many cold nights. Yeah, you're so. probably 48, right? If you're elderly in <laughs> Russia, but no, she was 81. Her name is Zenaida Kononova, 81 years old. She was pronounced dead by doctors on the operating table after complications with surgery to remove an intestinal obstruction at the. Gorshachensky Central District Hospital on August 14th. God, already I'm I'm wondering. It's like when she died, were they like just sew her back up? Like yeah. so, like were her organs still like split open from where the surgery didn't work, or like you know? Well, in <clears throat> so typically when you hear about um, intestinal obstructions and, and doctors having to remove things. It's for other things, and so you know more of a sexual nature. Uh, so it makes me wonder if uh, if eighty one year old. Uh, I mean, it's cold. <laughs> it's cold in Russia. There's not a lot to do. <laughs> so she was taken to the morgue at one a.m., but nearly seven hours later, at eight a.m., a worker again she says had the shock of her life when she found the grandmother lying there on the floor. Dude, I would shit my pants. I, well, because uh, you don't have an intestinal obstruction. <laughs> <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> I got a TTI. Um, but no, I would freak out, man. Like, I already don't like being around dead folk. Like, at funerals, I struggle with it. Um, yeah. But, like, having to work in a morgue, ugh, my fear would always be, what does do come back? I watched too many horror movies. <laughs> Every little noise, you'd be like, "What was that?" Yeah, what was that? But I would tell you, an eighty-one-year-old like woman, I'd be like, "No, she's good." <laughs> so to see that would freak me out. Uh, so an ambulance driver heard the commotion as he entered the building. He recounted how he overheard the scared morgue worker say, "Grandma, go to bed. Grandma, shut up." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish my little brother was here to translate that into Russian for us. Um, says the paramedic at first thought the mortuary worker had gone mad, but then saw the dead corpse grab the woman's hand for help from himself. Uh, for himself, excuse me. Mrs. Kononova was quickly covered with blankets and rushed straight to intensive care. Yeah, there's a safe place uh, since she didn't make it last time. Really? Imagine the shock when the hospital called the grandmother's niece. A senior doctor told her, hey, uh, we have an unusual situation. She's alive. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Kulikova, the niece, rushed to the hospital as a team of doctors from the regional capital, Kursk, was dispatched to treat her grandmother. 
That's fascinating. Just absolutely fascinating. So the question is, is she alive or is she undead? Well, uh, the bigger question for me is, are they going to open her back up to remove the obstruction? Right. Are you still on that? <laughs> well, I mean, they got a dead gerbil up there. Well, I mean, but I'm just saying they were trying to remove it. Well, that's what I was she asking. She died. So, I mean, did they finish removing it? Right. That's what I was asking earlier. Yeah. It's like, did they did they finish the job, you know, or were they like, well, she's dead. Fuck, right. Just we'll just close it back. Right. Up, you yeah. know, and just yeah. left things hanging and cut it. Well, yeah. We're exa- yeah. So. Or left inside, so to speak. I mean, it could have just been a block of poop. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be. She could have been severely dehydrated or, or high fiber yeah. diet. Yeah, I mean. Exactly. I don't want to apply. I don't want some Russians to hack our website or anything. Too late. Too late. MIB Russia. Um, (laughs) Anyways, yeah, so that's spooky news for the week. Very, very interesting. So we've got someone back from the dead and in Russia of all places. Uh, So let's get moving on to our UAP sighting of the week. All right, UAP sighting of the week. What type of UFO or UAP do we have reported this week, Mr. Rutledge? So uh, this actually occurred on August 10th, which was the day before my birthday, in uh, Dover, Delaware. Um, And it looks like it occurred at 11 p.m., but it was reported nine days later. So it says, I was three minutes from my mother-in-law's house. At 11 at night, I was telling my husband to speed up because I had to go to the bathroom. Out of nowhere, I saw this, what seemed to be an airplane in the sky, coming right at us. And it looked like it was going to land on the road. I was confused. We don't have an airport. They're only a military base. I thought the plane was about to crash. My husband looked up and saw it was getting close. It was a big circle object that didn't make any noise. We completely stopped in the middle of the road because we were freaking out and trying to figure out what it was we were looking at. It got super close, almost right on top of a house that was to my left, maybe a few feet above the house. It was a black circle. And it had three or four bright lights. They were like football stadium lights, really bright. It made no noise. About a minute later, it took off. We're trying to follow it, but it was gone. I mean, just, it was gone. So fast, I couldn't believe it. My mind is blown what I've seen and scared. I wonder why it was over that house and what it was doing. Man, you know, the the first thing that I take away from this is I've realized how very few UAP or UFO sightings we have from females. That a lot of the ones that we read seem to be from males. Yeah. And so uh, not and not only do we have a female here, but her and her husband saw it. So we got a we got a double witness. Uh, well, so I would say that this uh, reporting gives us no gender, and just because someone has a husband. This is doesn't true. mean they're this female. Is, this is very, very and true. And just because they had to go to the bathroom really bad, does that make them a female? <laughs> and just because they're in Dover, Delaware. Where? So, um, so I don't you are correct. I, but my statement still stands that we don't we don't normally see a lot of, uh, not to imply that this is a right. female, but I, it just hit me. I'm like, even when we request them online and things like that, uh, it tends to mostly be males uh, 
that see that. And, and I wonder if it's because A, males see them more, or B, women are even more worried about coming forward. Or it's, you know, it could be a, a, little, a little bit of uh, a combination, maybe of both, in that um, I wonder, because I look at my relationship and I look at your relationship, mm-hmm. and our spouses. Uh, are women and they are both very skeptical mm-hmm. of what we do, right? Yeah. And so even if we were in the car together and witnessed it together, my wife would likely dismiss it. Yeah, so would mine. Whereas I would want to report it. Yeah. So I, I would say that maybe then it, it maybe that, um, I don't know, I wonder how many uh, women out there would dismiss it as being... Unrelated. Yeah, because that—that's. I mean, that—that that is that. My wife is very, very quick to, you know, come up with a skeptical solution and just um, agree that that is it right away. You're like, oh, well, that was probably just a shooting star, or a helicopter. As a helicopter, boom, I'm done. Yeah, I found an excuse. I'm good. And and, and I know with my wife, it's because sometimes she doesn't want to admit it because it'll really freak her out. Right. <laughs> so. And yeah, and I think that's probably true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And and I wonder how many other instances there are where, you know, I would say that in probably in most relationships, one party is more vested than the other. For sure. And so maybe whoever the vested party is in that relationship is the one that logs the report. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I don't know. It was an interesting insight. I mean, definitely, I mean, um, you know, just, you know, the last, I guess the last episodes of, um, uh, what's it called? Unidentified? With, yes, there you go. I keep wanting to say undisclosed I but do that's too. that's a different but that's a different show yeah i keep wanting to call it that too. Uh, but unidentified you know that, that's one of the things they really talk about and i think it's the last episode is all of the civilian sightings yeah and things really seem to be ramping up i mean we've said this for months i mean pretty much since we started talking about uh, uaps yeah, we've been sure. talking about how things seem to be ramping up um and so you know it, it, is it you know is it that they are ramping up or is it that, you know, just more more ways to report them today than there were than there used to be? Sure. More, you know, small town newspapers weren't getting picked up by, you know, Associated Press or whatever the case back yeah. in the day, whereas things are getting more distributed now. Well, because I don't, social media is, in essence, a news sharing. Right. Thing. Exactly. So so, I, you know, I don't know that. Uh, or is it I mean, honestly, like, I mean, just today, I mean. We just picked a state. And, I mean, there were hundreds. Oh, yeah. You know, just recently. And it's like, there's so many to choose from. I mean, it's like, are we oversaturated? You know what I mean? Like, to the point where no... Like, it's not that people don't believe it. It's just that they're like, eh, another UFO sighting, whatever. Right, exactly. I mean, maybe that that is the case where it's just... um, Well, and, and I also wonder... I really, I really wonder how many people dismiss what they see as Starlink. Definitely, definitely. And, and they talked about that on Unidentified. Well, which, and I mean, and I mean, you, you though have talked about how in the in the times when we've seen stuff and it calls into question, could it be Starlink? But you've actually made an attempt to get out and see Starlink. Yeah. And, and I, have never been able to. I have not. Every single time in this, I've probably done it about six or seven times. Every single time, 
nothing. And what's interesting is, is that when I was in Michigan last time, my nephew and I, I had looked and it said right where we were at, it was supposed to be like, they they have like a category of like when it's the brightest and when you could see it, the brightest and biggest. It was supposed to be at its brightest and biggest. I mean, we had those, like, um, zero-gravity chairs, so we're, like, laid back. Yeah. We've got a huge view of the sky, and we sat out there. I mean, you know, it's got a six-minute time period. We sat out there for an hour, like, and I was like, well, maybe it's just off. Maybe it's just We never yeah, saw it. never saw it. I mean, I knew exactly. I had my compass out. I knew exactly which yeah. horizon it was supposed to come from. I couldn't find the damn thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, and, I, and I've seen videos of people posting where I know people are seeing Starlink. I mean, I've, yeah, seen, I've seen tons of videos, and I've never, what it looks like, even it, what we've seen yeah, didn't look doesn't like, like that. Doesn't yeah. look like what yeah. the Starlink videos look like. So, yeah, I mean, I, like, you know, I guess you could boil, boil it down to you, you're either going to believe or you're not. And <clears throat> I guess what we talk about here on the show is not necessarily to convince anybody else that it is happening. But it is to reassure those people who have experiences that others are having them too. Right. You're, you're not, not alone. alone right? You are not alone. I mean, we want to believe. So, you know, like we, I don't know, as a scientist, I, I, you look at results and when you have so many yeah. results, how can we not be certain? Yeah. How can you dismiss it? Yeah. How can you dismiss it? And I guess it's because people are trying to quantify what it is, is where the problem is. Just like um, we spoke to some friends of ours um, from Arizona and Texas, and they're ghost hunters. And we had talked to them about, you know, we always kind of ask ghost hunters what they think about UFOs. And immediately they're like, I'm not sure about aliens. And I'm like, we never said aliens. And and now, granted, that's where we used to be as well. And I think that's part of the issue, too, is that people are pretty quick to dismiss because they think immediately it means aliens from from millions of light years away as opposed to either a something in the earth or military i mean i I think that if if we could come uh together as a community as a global community oh my god and and the majority of us the majority would agree that there is some sort of aerial phenomenon that we cannot explain. Right. That would be a huge step, step. forward yeah, in the I'm right not, direction. I don't need you to tell me that what I saw wasn't real. What I need you to do is accept the fact that it's unexplained. And right. we don't have an answer for it because that's the first step. Right. That's the first step is convincing people that there is unexplained phenomenon. Unexplained means it is not explained. Right. You know? Right. I mean, we're not we're not saying this is E.T. or U.T. or I mean, don't get me wrong. Not it'd a be, T.T.I. Yeah, it'd be cool if it was. Maybe. I don't know. Depending on what the yeah. motives are. <laughs> but but all we wanted all we want everybody to 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 come not everybody a majority to acknowledge is that there is something happening that is not explained. Right. Yep. So, anyways, we've been on UAP for a long yep. time. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, get into our last segment for the evening before we get into the Snedeker haunting. Let's get into creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. All right. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. That's where we are. Creepy and crawling. 
Uh, we've got <laughs> creepy crawlers. That's what I was just thinking of. Oh, okay. Um, theologian knows because uh, it's from the 80s. Uh, but anyways, uh, creepy catch up this week. We had an interesting week. Um, yep. We got to hang out uh, this, this past weekend and uh, just had a lot of great conversations. Finished up watching Unidentified. But we also tried to go to Waverly a few times. Yeah. Um, Got shut down. Got shut down because uh, people were out there waiting to get in. And then the second time we showed up, people were leaving. And so uh, the lady told us that if we couldn't, if we weren't on the list, we couldn't even wait outside the gate. Right. Uh, what, what was you know in, in between the first the first time and the second time, we went over to Waverly Park. Yeah, because that's where we had had our oh, sighting. Yeah, you talk about creepy catch up there. Oh my goodness! So so there's people out there night fishing, oh. but then out of nowhere this guy comes kind of like walking down the hill with a flashlight, and then he like clicks the flashlight off. Yeah, like because we mention it. Well, because the way that Waverly Park is set up, there's like this pond slash lake, and there was a dam that was built. Um, so it's not that big. I mean, it, it used to be a creek or whatever, but it's got an overfill uh, thing with like a cement runoff, a big cement runoff. So like what he was doing down there, I don't know. You said he might have been frog gigging or yeah. something like that, which makes a little more sense. Um, but yeah, he had his light on, and I was like, dude, somebody's over there. Click. Yeah. And it's gone. And then like we're just kind of standing there and trying to watch and see where he was. And finally we're like, let's just leave. Yeah. <laughs> I just got really yeah. freaked out. You got, cause I mean, it was like 20 minutes and like, it didn't no noise. It didn't click back on. No noise. So, so part of me now thinks, was that a ghost? Right. Uh, did we just happen to see more of a, well, and like we said, this used to be Waverly Hills sanitarium. Right. It was all part of that. Part of that. Right. So, so, or, or was it literally just a guy, uh, out frog gigging and just didn't want to. Did know. he think we were cops? That's something I thought because yeah. you're technically not allowed in the park after sunset. Yeah, and uh, we were standing out there like against the car. We're looking at the stars, but this dude's probably like, "Oh God, it's cops!" And we're yeah. like, "Serial killer!" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Oh man, they're gonna get me for catching illegal frogs <laughs> for these illegal psychedelic frogs." Um, but yeah, that man, that really. I mean, I dove into the car. I was like, yeah. go, 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 yeah. go. I was like, you were standing there, and I was like, we should just leave. And you're like, yep. And, just like, <laughs> and you like, know, it's like once you decide to kick on those endorphins, it's yeah. like, go, 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 even if nothing's well, happening. It was funny, you know, because we, we we had the windows and all down, and the sunroof was open. And, and so we were like, roll the windows up, roll the windows up. And you're like, close the sunroof. He can reach inside. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, it was dark, yeah. man. It, it was, was really dark. So, But, yeah, so then we went over to um, – Back over to Waverly, that's when we were told, you know, nope, can't even sit up here because we're going to close the gate and lock you guys in. And we're like, well, we'll just go on the other side of the gate. And she's like, no. No, yeah. So so we uh, ended up going down to the parking lot for the uh, for the golf course. Which is just, a, it's right on the parking lot. Yeah, I mean, it's like well. 50 feet maybe from yeah. where we were going to sit. Turned out to be a pretty good lo- yeah. location. It was kind of neat. We faced, like... Faced the hills and uh, faced yeah. a wooded area. Did some, did two different SS sessions uh, in the car, and it was I mean it was crystal clear until we started doing the Mesta sessions. Yeah, and I tell you on yours when you did yours, mm-hmm. man, the fog just started rolling. Roll. In. Yeah, I when mean, I was, when I took off my uh, headset and my uh, eye mask and looked up, I couldn't see a single yeah. star. I mean, it was just and it was crazy. Like I was watching it, and it was just like. 
it was that creeping fog, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Where like it creeped over the tree line. Then, That's the creeping death that killed and the then, firstborn. Like, creeped across the, the like the golf course and everything. It was just really really eerie. eerie. Yeah, that's, that's the word I was going to say. Yeah, it was definitely, and it has definitely been humid, so I've been seeing a lot of fog, but yeah, it was extra extra creepy. Lots of good stuff happened in those Estes sessions. I mean, for yeah. both of us. Um, you know, one of the things that I think we, we've started doing is not, so whoever's blindfolded and in, 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 uh, in listening to the radio is talking, and the other parties are not speaking. Yeah, I like. I kind of like this. I like taking the um, scientific approach to it, like de- deciphering right what they say, as opposed to trying to ask questions because then you feel like you've gotten nowhere because sometimes they don't match. Um, but man, when you when you look at it as if it's like a message, it yeah. changes how you view it. Well, and I know it in several times on mine, I think I kept uh, talking to. You interpreted it as talking to you. Uh, when I go back and listen to it, uh, I interpret it as talking to the people at Waverly. Like, yeah, we, we did, know we did talk about that because yeah. we know there was a tour up there that night, and uh, you know because I kept saying, "Look up, look, look up, up, look can, up," and there can was you see me? Nothing. There yeah. was nothing for you, but I wonder if there was something for them. For them. Well, I mean, our very first Esta session, we had people that more than likely had died at Waverly. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, and then when you did yours, you slipped into two, I think, channeling, you channeled twice. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to watch. Uh, of course, it was dark, so I couldn't see that well. But, like, to watch when you would come, uh, when you would go into your channel, uh, you would just, like, you would, your body would just go slack when really? you would go into your channel. When you would come out of it, your body would shiver, and you would touch your wrist that's the second time like you like, said that like you would like you did when we were in uh, point pleasant yeah um <clears throat> terry wrist no I'm just no <laughs> i have a terry cloth on my lightly wrist. hairy wrist yeah so but but yeah it was again almost like because um, i've seen that done when i've seen people hip, hip hypnotized mm-hmm. but sometimes they'll like they'll touch the wrist or they'll touch the hand mm-hmm. or whatever is a trick like a trigger to like a trigger like a wake up yeah and so i wonder if if like the channel that you're channeling, that's that's the last stitch to wake you up out of the channel. Hmm. You know, it's interesting because you know I don't, I, I, as usual, I don't recall most of it. Though I did feel um, present this yeah. time, um, but yeah, it's like it, it was like every time I felt myself come back, like my body was itchy all over. Well, you said at one point in time. That you were aware of being displaced, but yes. it was like you—it was like you were in molasses. Yeah. So it's like I didn't know what was going on or anything like that, and I just kind of thought it was in my head. Yeah. Which is why when my sensations came back, I just because I mean it feels like no time passes, you know. What yeah. I mean? So it's like a quick second. Yeah. So and you don't were think much of it, and I think we both went for about thirty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I know yours was thirty for sure. So, so. I mean, you want, but when you, when you're under. And you've got the blindfold on, and you're just listening and talking. It really just time just man, it coasts. Yeah, does, you know. It's it's like it's one of those things I don't want to leave, which is really oh interesting. yeah, yeah. I mean, I well, and especially like <clears throat> I was really trying to because I have never been able to really make the connection like you or Santosh have. Uh, so I was really trying to get there this time around, mm-hmm. and I felt like towards the end. 
that I was getting there, and I was like, oh, he's going to wake me up. I'm, like, I feel like he's going to wake yep. me up. <laughs> so it always happens, man. So, so it always happens. But uh, so any other creep catch up for you other than uh, that No, weekend? for me it's been a pretty decent week at home. I've had a lot of um, just personal issues, so I've been kind of distracted yeah. quite a bit, um, you know, with work and uh, just some different things like that. So, no, I haven't really nothing it's it's been kind of a dry week and I've, I've been trying to look up at the stars a lot i you know and uh even being at work nothing it's been besides the the estes stuff that we had going on mm-hmm. and getting scared by all that so um so i had a I, I have one other thing um and that is i had a dream so one of the things i've been doing at night when i go to bed whoa it, <laughs> is is i is i try to set a purpose for the night yeah and so, um, I, you know, well, I like that because you you remind yourself that um, you are active while you sleep and yeah. dream. So, um, you know, I, one of the things that I did uh, uh, last night, even and, and this this dream is not from last night, but one of the things I did last night, you know, I, I talked about uh, shielding the entire house right mm-hmm. in crystals. So one of the things that I started to do last night, um, and it was uh, beneficial, was instead of shielding with uh, with like white light and crystal mm-hmm. is I, I imagined a fog uh, surrounding my house and that it was so thick that anything that knew its way to me could get through but anything that didn't could not and so um, it was really interesting I went back and looked at the uh, security footage for my security cam on the garage and it did get foggy around my house last night so mm-hmm. that was pretty cool that is cool. I mean, it wasn't around the time that I was, you know, it was right. like later in the night, but it was still kind of neat to see that. Um, and then, like you said, it's been really humid. So, I mean, it's very natural causes, I'm sure. But but anyway, so that was one thing. And then, so the, my dream, though, that I had last week was, um, so I had a, the purpose that I had set uh, that night um, was to better understand time. Not like from a time travel perspective, but like yeah, just time in just general. time in general. Because one of the things that I've been really thinking about lately is that do you age because you're supposed to age? You've been told <laughs> yeah, all of your life. We've talked about that, that here you're on supposed the show. To age, right? Yeah. And so um, through the power of of positive thought or 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 intention, can you slow? the aging process for yourself um and we we know that as people have high anxiety and things that takes a pretty heavy toll on the body and we do know that there are a lot of hindu uh, gurus and things like that that say that yes they can extend their life and some of them have lived pretty long and looked pretty good by the end so yeah exactly well and then you think about the stuff um from uh shaver and the Darrows and the Tarot's. And so, the, you know, the Tarot's, uh, or the story of the Tarot's and the Darrow's, is that they moved underground because there's a certain kind of radiation from the sun that actually causes things to age. Right. So, anyways. Which, I mean, look at Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. still 28 years old, but he right. looks 90. Yeah, exactly. Because of the leather skin, man. But, yeah, the sun definitely, even the sun we have now, is damaging. Right. So, anyways, so I, I, set, the, I set the purpose for the night was to... Um, was to understand time better, and so I uh, 
I had a dream where I was interacting with an entity. I, I, I never saw the entity. I could just, I knew that it was there and I could hear it. Like, but I never actually saw what the entity was. Um, it was Alan Greenfield. Probably. And um, so I, I, you know, I asked it. I said, well, what is, what is, what is time? And it, the entity said that all time, the past, the present, and the future are all modes of transportation. Hmm. I was shown an example of a train with three cars. One was the past, one was the present, and one of the other was the future. Um, whatever I was speaking with said, regardless of which car you occupy, the train is always moving towards its destination. Well, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, it also said wow, that... that just blew my mind. That's legit. It also said that we don't exist in time, but that time exists in us. Right, and we've talked about that, I think, in our first Fearscape Unhinged episode. Yeah. We were talking about that, that time... You know, in that conversation, me, you, and Santosh had, yeah. you know, it's like, do, do it, does time exist around us or do right. we exist around time? It's very. And so then it, what's funny is, is I must have looked really dumbfounded in my dream mm-hmm. because it just laughed and said, chew on that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, so yeah, that was, um, you know, I've had some other little things here and there. Like, I, I feel like with my eyes closed, I can see. Uh, shadows moving around in my room, mm-hmm. uh, like again in my my psychic uh, uh, screen or whatever. You know, thinking about that, um, but uh, you know, nothing really major has has uh, you know has happened. No, no, like you know, mind altering dreams or right. any of that kind of stuff that that's occurred in the last week. So, but I mean, I thought that was a pretty neat little illustration cool, of time. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed that. All right. Well, speaking of time, (laughs) let's move forward as we always are. And uh, we'll get into our topic right after we take a quick ad break. Fearscape Media Network is your new home for everything weird and enlightening. Check out podcasts and YouTube shows covering content from discussions on horror films to the paranormal to meditation. Find out more at fearscapemedia.com. Coming to you from nowhere, a suburb of parts unknown. Join Stefan and Lance, the Misters of the Dark, as they review all things horror with their latest victim. (laughs) I mean guest. (laughs) New episodes of Misters of the Dark... Drop Mondays on the Fearscape Media Network. All right, so we are back. Thank you guys for sticking around and uh, staying with us. We are going to be talking about the Snedeker family haunting, uh, more popularly known as the Haunting in Connecticut. So what do we got about all this? Yeah, so this all takes place in the eighties. Oh yeah, um, you know you think about the like the Smurl haunting was in the seventies. Was it seventies or early eighties? I think it's late seventies. Fact check that. 
I'm pretty sure it was somewhere around 77. Yeah, it might have been. I Yeah, because it, it was before Amityville, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so then it would have been the 70s. So, um, <clears throat> And so this is, this is kind of, you know, like you said before, this is related to... Um, I guess this is this story is related to the the Smurl haunting. Oh, <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you right now, it, it went from 1974 to 1989. Because okay. remember, theirs was very yeah. long. Sorry. So, but this, you know, this is related in a way to Smurl, to 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 Peron, and so on and so forth because of the of the involvement of the Warrens. Right. And so, um, this is, I think. <clears throat> although I know this was one of their biggest cases. It is. Uh, and also, it got a, it got a lot of immediate attention mm-hmm. before they got involved, which it tends to do. It, right from what we're learning, they just they they see some media attention and just kind of yep. slide Grab on it. in. Yeah, which <laughs> which again does you know kind of yeah whatever. Right, it makes you wonder: Are they? Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not advantageous, but are they seekers? You know, like right. <laughs> so ambulance chasers, so to speak. So at the time in 1986, um, Carmen and Al Snedeker, thank you, were both driving long distances from their home in northern New York to get medical treatment for Carmen's son, Philip. Now, notice it says Carmen's son because Al was actually Philip's stepdad. Stepdad. So does, does it say what um, disease the kid had or, or what was wrong with him? Hodgkin's. Man, at a young age? That's rare. Um, The commute was making the situation unbearable, and thus they decided to move somewhere closer to the medical center. Mm -hmm. Um, So they moved into this house in Connecticut. It was actually uh, a house that had been converted into two apartments, a downstairs apartment and an upstairs apartment. Um, And while they, when they moved in, they had, you know, their, their children, they had their nieces, um, so they decided to convert the basement into two rooms for their children. Uh, during this conversion, uh, Al discovered mortuary equipment. Right. So you were saying that they they didn't just have their kids living there; they had nieces, nieces and nephews too. Yeah. No, uh, there's no mention of nephews. Oh, sorry. They had but, they they had other family members yes, there with. Correct. And they're probably like, "Oh, you got a big house? Take your right. nephew or niece." Right. Jesus, she's killing me. Um, and so it was during that, you know, like I said, they, they found more trade equipment in the basement, which included coffin handles, uh, a chain and pulley for a casket lift, uh, a blood drainage pit. Jeez. Uh, and it turned out that the house had served as a funeral home for well, many decades. Yeah. Well, and then it's like, they just found this stuff or did like previous tenants know about this? I mean, like, so we're going to get into that. <laughs> I'm like, don't you get told that that goes into a little bit of the, uh, skeptical side. So we'll get to that. Yeah. Cause bit. I'm like, don't you know the history of a house when you get it? I mean, that's what yeah. I, so, um, did the Snedekers didn't think too much of their home's past and, uh, it was, you know, somewhat morbid, but they decided to continue the conversion of the basement anyway, um, and bas- it, did you find out where they found things? Were they just laying around, or were they in like cupboards? Well, they were. So, so the basement had been finished at one point in time. Okay. They were refinishing it to put bedrooms down there. Gotcha. That's when they found stuff. Okay, so that makes a little more sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they basically though in the basement is where all the dead bodies for the funeral home would have been. Right. Yeah. That's right. where all the good stuff happens. So, I've seen my girl. 
did, you know, who who <laughs> drew straws to get to sleep in the basement? Well, it's like, you know, had had the kids already moved in there while they were also renovating, you know what I mean? Like was the kid already just like the two kids like, "I want a basement to be away from everybody." Well, I mean, I, I think what what they're it doesn't really say, but I think what's implied is that because there's a tenant in the upstairs apartment, there wasn't enough sleeping space in the downstairs apartment. But that included oh, the basement. Oh, someone lived in the other apartment. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought it was assumed that they bought the whole kit and caboodle. No, and... they were renting the first floor apartment. Oh, okay, so somebody was living there. That Man, that definitely is a little different than the movie for sure. So, well, and i got to be honest, I've not seen the movie. I have, and so you know, a lot of the stuff is in line so far with the movie, though in the movie it was just one kid that stayed in the basement. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I had no idea about a tenant living upstairs. That adds an extra level of weirdness yeah. to the whole thing. So um, at first, uh, Philip was uh, staying at the house with them, and he complained of hearing strange voices and anomalous sounds. Uh, he even described seeing shadow figures and a man with a pinstriped suit with white hair skulking in the dark, staring at him as he slept. Mm-hmm. Looking like the bad guy from Phantasm. <laughs> uh, now, Philip, is that the dad? No, that's the that's son, the son. Okay. who has Hodgkins. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did it say how old he was at this point? It doesn't say. So, Because um, I know in the movie he's like 15. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I don't want to draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just but, I didn't know if you'd come across it or not. Um, but you know, Philip Philip became so terrified of his room that he be, he begged to be allowed to stay at the hospital. Wow. Now, at the time, his parents dismissed his claims. Of course, suspecting hallucinations from the side effect from the cobalt treatment he was receiving for his illness. And at this point, we said there are two kids down in the basement, so the other kid's not feeling anything, so that probably also is a factor, like going, oh, well, Jimmy's not seeing anything, so obviously it's your Hodgkin's drugs. Well, and they they go on to say that after he moved into the basement, his personality significantly changed. Yeah, we see this a lot. I mean, we saw that in the Enfield Haunting, and and, uh, Amityville Haunting talks about you yeah. know George's personality. Well, changing. it says that his interest altered. Uh, he started to wear leather. Developed a strong interest in the occult. It was so he became Keith H. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, it said that he started to get violent, uh, and that's when the Snedekers made the decision to send him away. Um, at one point, he is known to have broken into their neighbor's house to steal a gun in order to harm his stepfather. Ow. Uh, on another occasion, it is alleged that he assaulted his female cousin. So, yeah. Um, go ahead and go. It's fine. Yeah. Bye. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> go to the hospital or grandma's yeah. or wherever you're going. It's fine. So, um, getting into some of the claims. Um, it is claimed that basically once Philip left the house, the dark forces residing there started to turn their attention towards the rest of the family. So interesting. So this takes away from that poltergeist theory that it attaches itself or that it's energy from uh, an angry teenager so that if things were continuing after Philip left, kind of changes the game a little bit. Yeah. Um, the other children began to report sighting ghosts, hearing footsteps and voices. Um, Carmen, who's the mom, 
for a reminder, uh, reported once having mopped the floor only to see the water turn to, to blood, blood red yep. in front of her eyes. I had that in the movie. That was creepy. Uh, the couple's bed was said to have vibrated inexplicably. Without putting a quarter in? Yeah, without it. Man. Uh, during a television interview, Carmen and Al described how the bed would often vibrate with a sort of heartbeat. Oh, that's creepy. Uh, I, I had my phone set to vibrate on the heartbeat, and uh, I had did it for like two days for my alarm when it would go off or ring. It freaked me out too much. I had to stop. <laughs> um, they, they, they alleged that numerous visitors to their home had felt these unearthly uh, vibrations as well. The electrical sockets and light bulbs were described as having an unnatural glow even when the bulbs were removed from their sockets. Uh, <laughs> foul odors of rotten meat and human feces were also claimed to have plagued the household. Demons. Demons. Uh, the situation was not considered too serious until the incident started to escalate and become violent. It got worse. Yeah. Um... Carmen is reported uh, by the Huffington Post as having described a particular terrifying incident. In quotes, the shower curtain very quickly wrapped around me and I couldn't push away. According to the article, her only thought was that this thing was trying to kill her. Jeez. Um, other incidents were reported as being equally heinous. Uh, their niece claimed to have felt a disembodied hand touch her in a sexual manner. Nope. Uh, she even alleged that an unearthly presence had raped her. Speaking about Jesus. these abhorrent attacks, Karma described how the entity laughed a hideous laugh when it went above her shirt and out the window. Um, sexual... Like why, like, why you gotta... It's like you're already creepy. Why do you gotta get sexual? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, especially to an underage girl, man. Like, come on, dude. I know it's not underage to you, ghost or demon what? or whatever. But well, it's still underage to. I mean, yeah, person's age is a person's age. So, <sighs> um, sexual assault though was something that other members of the family claimed to have experienced as well. Which the Smurl case was very yeah. similar. There was a lot of sexual assault that happened. Uh, Carmen and Al both reported having been uh, disturbed on many nights by an unearthly atmosphere in their bed. They described having her 1930s ambient mood music playing in the background, which occasionally preceded an assault upon one or both of them. So is that just like Benny Goodman? <clears throat> this just, it reminds me of the the Shining. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like the music would start to play. And, yeah, yeah, I guess just classical. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the uh, couple asserted that they had both been raped multiple times by a dark entity. Man, again. We've got rape, like, from both. Like, same thing happened with the Smurls, both the husband and the wife. Like, like both well, were so, to it. So Carmen even said on television that she was uh, running. One night I ran down the street with Kelly, that's her niece, being sodomized the whole way. Jeez, no way. That's effed up, man. <laughs> like, why... I don't even want to make a joke about it. I know. I don't either. That's up. what, like, when I was doing the research, I was like, I'm not going to make any jokes because this yeah. is all pretty bad. Yeah. No, that's. This is, yeah. This, it's, and, it's, it, and it's quirky and odd, but it's, it's, and it, this really happened. It's horrifying. Well, and it gets worse. Oh, 
So, um, when asked during an interview why they did not leave the house, um, everywhere we went, it followed us. So, it was at this point that Ed and Lorraine Warren came into the picture. It didn't follow Philip, though. No. <laughs> um, well, that we know of. Yeah, that we know of, yeah. <clears throat> when described, well, and it also makes you wonder, um, you know, a lot of hospitals, especially up in that area, are uh, Catholic. Yep. Especially and, back then, too. And it makes you wonder if it, if it couldn't. Oh, yeah, because those hospitals would be sacred ground. Yeah. <sighs> Never even thought about that. Yeah, we were just talking about that the other day, you, me, and the theologian talking about how churches are not, yeah. they're so um, privatized now, they're so, they're companies, instead of these, like, non-profit churches yeah. that ran these hospitals out of goodwill. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't see those none, no. none-run churches, I mean, I mean hospitals. There's a run. handful still in Louisville, but, yeah. but, I mean, they're, they're dying away, so. Yep. <clears throat> um, but the, uh. The Warrens rated the uh, possessing entity as a nine on the scale of one to ten. Uh, they can. I wonder. Do, I wonder if they have a list of like <laughs> what the scale is, like what justifies one through ten. One through you ten. Know, yeah. You know, I bet you it's in one of their books. It probably is. Uh, they concluded, in quotes, the house was infested with demons. Always. That's the one thing that sucks about the Warrens, because it's how how very Catholic they were yeah. was that everything was a demon, you know, instead of just a pissed dark, off spirit. Yeah, dark or, entity. You know, not, not to say that demons aren't real, because I am still, you know, a recovering Catholic from yeah. a kid. It, the, uh, demons will always be real to me, but, you know, just a different definition of, of what we think they are. But, right. yeah, that is that is definitely a, a, a Warren thing, as it's always demons. Even the new movies, Conjurings. I mean, the nun was a demon, was right? Like, uh, whatever the V name was, and stuff like that. So, so after um, much documentation and investigation, the Warrens uh, arranged for it, the house to be exorcised. Uh, after the house was cleaned, the Snedekers moved out to another house, and afterwards were involved in the writing of a book as well as being featured in documentaries, television shows, and being an inspiration for a movie, The Haunting in Connecticut. Um, their official narrative uh, is, is this. However, when the case is examined in detail, it quickly becomes clear that the Seneca story is muddled at times and extremely confusing. And now we get into the skeptic side. And so I will say, having done the research and having read the skeptic side, the conclusion that is made at the end of the research here that I have, I agree with. Wow, this is twice now. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm just going to say, they, I've, I found a lot of skeptic information that lays out a good case. Let me say that. Okay. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> this begins with, uh, there is no disputing that the Snedekers wished to move to Southington to be, Southington is the name of the city, to be closer to the hospital for Phillips' treatment. There is, however, much disagreement concerning whether or not they knew the house they decided to rent had previously been a funeral home. So this is your question you were asking earlier. Mm -hmm. um, it was a disturbing discovery that they were living in an old funeral home that could said to be the moment that the Seneca's family fortunes changed for the worse. However, Daryl Kern, the owner of the house, has said that Carmen and Al were fully aware of the house's history before they moved in. 
Some have even claimed that there was a sign engraved Hallahan Funeral Home beside the entrance. Okay, well, let me play skeptic on this, on the other side, and say that, you know, and maybe they did know, but maybe, like, finding those tools, finding those things, you know, disturbed something, right? And it it kind of woke something up, or the energy from a stressed-out kid awoke something or um, something like that. Uh, but yeah, again, like them renovating is what made me forget that it was a rental. Yeah. <laughs> How often do you renovate your rental? But anyways. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does happen. I yeah, mean, it, I, does. You it know, does. But Especially a, a home. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, maybe, you know, they stirred something. So Yeah. So for many at the time, neighbors and other people in the town, um, it was obvious to them that they had invented the whole story. Uh, the owner of the house, uh, Kern, flatly stated that the entire case was a hoax. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's like if well, nothing ever, ever happened in that home prior to that, it does make you wonder. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with the Smurls. It's like nothing. Ha- there was never anything reported. Right. The previous owners had said nothing ever happened there, and then the, the owners oh, afterwards. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, in Amityville. And, 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 and I'll say that from, I'll pass a little bit of skepticism on the landlord's point of view. So on the landlord's point of view, it would make sense to disclaim everything and say it was all a hoax if you ever want to rent, rent that it apartment. Again. Yeah, because, right. you know, yeah, you'll be able to rent it to like Rob Zombie and Zach right. Bagans, but, you know, like not normal people aren't going to go in there. Right. Especially um, back then. Nowadays, maybe. <laughs> right. I mean, he went on. He went on TV. Excuse me, by a local newspaper, and he said it's a fraud. It's a joke. It's a hoax. It's Halloween. Well, you know what? Also, that does too is that um, allows him to uh, push away any lawsuits that could happen. Yeah. You know, by saying no, it's a fraud. It's a hoax. Right. You know that means he can't be sued for any of that stuff. Right. Well, and any again, future tenants. Right. Yeah, right. If your tenant moves in and their all their uh, plates fall out of their cabinet and shatter on the floor, then you know. Yep. And again, what? Why do we always think that spirits are attached to homes? I mean, they even said whenever they would leave, it would follow them. Right. Was it already attached to them? What, did did the sun pick something up at the hospital? So I'm going to get to the sun in just a minute. Okay. <clears throat> so um, I'm, I'm building. I'm building. Take your Legos and build, my friend. I'm building my case. Um, so, so Kern later stated that the paranormal activity seemed to have conveniently escalated around the time the Snedekers started to get behind on their rent. Oh, Snedekers! And they moved. And they moved <sighs> this, out. This, this just got me. And they moved out before eviction proceedings were complete. God, you know, and I'm going to say this: same thing happened to Amityville. He was behind on the rent. They were short of money, which he says the ghost stole his money and things like that. And that's how they ended up getting out of the mortgage for that home. So, oh, dang it, skeptics. (laughs) So the landlord was not the one. It's not just the I mean, it's it's, I know know, it's just it's uh, not like somebody spinning, you know, spinning their case. I mean, it's these are like these are facts. I know. You know, the landlord was not the only one to voice doubts uh, as to the genuineness of the case. One of the Snedeker's neighbors, Yvonne, stated on television that there was never a problem until they got behind on the rent. Another neighbor, Catherine Altimus, stated in her interview... Altimus Prime? Yep. That it was her opinion the Snedeker's had this planned right from when they moved in. 
and again, now I'm back on the other side, because I'm like, ugh, why would anyone put their children through all of this? Yep. Like, forcing them to lie, or, it, it because, I mean, first of all, kids are not great liars. Right. Okay? So that means if this is a hoax and they did set all this stuff up, this means they intentionally scared their children. Right. And intentionally somehow raped their niece. Um, this is... Ugh, so another, uh, so the, the, you remember I mentioned there was an upstairs apartment. Correct. Somebody lived there. David Tennant lived upstairs. So um, <clears throat> uh, such and doubt was the family's upstairs neighbor, um, who his name, her name was Sandy, um, had not seen or heard anything supernatural in the building. Sandy had also been an employee of the real estate agency that the family had employed to find their new home at the time. Mm-hmm. As far as she was concerned, Carmen and Al were totally made aware that this was a funeral home. She also corroborated the fact that the Snedekers were falling behind on the rent. When asked by the news reporter what their motive could have been for potentially inventing such a hideous narrative, Sandley flatly said, money. Um, You know, it's like, I hate to say it, but it's like, even if we lived in a Star Trek society where there was no money, these yeah. things would still happen. People well, would still come forward. And, and let's not forget in the Star Trek world, only the Federation has no money. <laughs> Everybody is, else has money. Yeah, you go to Deep Space Nine, you'll uh, find yeah. out real quick. Right. So, but <clears throat> it, it says that uh, Sandy, again, the, upscri- the upstairs neighbor, um, painted a very different story for the television. Uh, according to her, it all began when Carmen told her she was having nightmares. Sandy had suggested to her that she take some sleeping pills. Carmen allegedly responded by saying, No, it is my father coming to haunt me. (laughs) I am calling the Warrens. (laughs) So the Warrens didn't slide in, according to Sandy. Uh, They were called. Because, yeah, like we said, at this point, what year was this again? So it, it, they moved there in 86? 86. Okay, so yeah. But I don't have a timeline. That's okay. You know. That's all I needed. Because uh, 71 was the Perone haunting, or the parent haunting, excuse me, sorry, Andrea. Um, 74 was Smurl. 76 or 77 was Amityville. I mean, they are definitely huge well, by the, the 80s. And the one we just covered, the infield. They was yeah, the infield haunting. That was in the 70s. Yeah, right. so the Warrens are huge right. at this point. So, um, so it is possible. So it, it almost makes me wonder if, and I'm I, this this article and in, in, in all my research that I found does not go into this, but in the back of my mind I'm thinking, did she call the the warrants and the warrants said, yeah we're not going to show up for like you're having dreams, and then they're like, well we got to up our game then. <sighs> yeah, I mean it's possible because the other thing that I think about sometimes, I I. A lot of people assume that money means greediness. Sometimes it's desperation. And I can imagine being in the 70s when insurance was not really good um, and most people didn't have it, how expensive those hospital bills were for Philip. Oh, I'm sorry. Still, yeah, the but 80s. still. Still, yeah, the 80s. I mean, the recession was in the 80s yeah. and things like that. You know, I could, gosh, you make me question it too, but it's like, yeah, there's this possibility they were struggling and trying to figure out how to pay for Philip's care and they've, they've just exhausted you know, they didn't know yep. what else to do. So just is so far fetched to go there. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so moving on here a little bit, it, it does say that, you know, like you're like you said, 
Ed and Lorraine Warren were at that time household names uh, as a result of their connection with the Amityville haunting and other famous paranormal paranormal cases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's and I and I, I I bolded and highlighted and underlined this statement, and I and I really some of this holds true for me. For all these accusations, it is inappropriate to dismiss the Seneca's claims on the sole basis of external observations. What happened behind closed doors is, after all, out of sight of the outside world. Now, I mean, it's true. Now we get down to Mr. Ray Garton. Oh, okay. Who's that? Ray Garton is the author of the Snedeker's book, uh, and he undermines their claims. According to Ray Garton, the author who was commissioned by the Warrens, much like Jay Anson was for Amityville, to document the Snedeker's experiences for a book titled In a Dark Place, trying to extract a consistent narrative from the family was impossible. Uh, as the as of the time of this article, Ray Garton had written over sixty books and is best known for his work in horror fiction. Um, in the years since the explosion of interest in the case, Garton has been very vocal in expressing the frustration he experienced when working with the Snedekers. In quotes, the family involved, which was going through some serious problems like alcoholism and drug addiction, mm-hmm. could not keep their story straight. He quoted as having said in 2009, I became very frustrated. It's hard writing a nonfiction book when all the people involved are telling you different stories. Jesus. Um, so they're conflicting stories as opposed to just different POVs. Yeah. As Garton gathered all the necessary information for the book, he found that the accounts of the individual Snedekers didn't quite mesh. According to Garton, it was as though they were incapable of keeping their stories straight. Um, you know, it goes on to say... But I will say this. Uh, trauma can cause you to forget things and change things yeah. and experience, re-experience them differently. You know, so I'm just going to throw that yep. out there. So here's some examples of inconsistencies. Uh, when asked why they did not leave the house earlier, Carmen's answer changed depending on who was asking the question. On one occasion, she explained that the happenings would follow them, making moving a pointless task. On another occasion, however, she claimed that she was unaware of what was happening in the house, stating that it was kids being tormented and not her. Uh, that Carmen had ever experienced such terrible abuse has been questioned by many, including one of her neighbors, Joan Mirabelle. She described how she often saw the family outside their house in the middle of the night, saying that they could not go back in, yet far from being terrified, as one would expect after having supposedly experienced the atrocities which they had claimed. The family seemed perfectly happy. In quotes, they never seemed to be afraid. They were always out there laughing and joking. God forbid they have good days. Well, but I mean, if you're outside in the backyard saying we can't go back in because of what's happening in there, yet you're joking and playing in the backyard. I I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The role of Carmen's son, Philip, in the haunting uh, can also said to be undermined some of the family's claims. In Garton's book, it is said that Philip, dubbed Stephen in the text, was caught fondling his cousins 
and was questioned by police afterwards. This led to Philip admitting that this was not the first time he had acted inappropriately with his female relatives. According to the book, Philip admitted to having performed such heinous acts habitually in secret at night without being caught, and that he even once attempted unsuccessfully to sleep with his cousin. After this shocking admission, Philip was taken to a juvenile detention center where a psychiatrist diagnosed him with schizophrenic. Jeez. That's heartbreaking, man. It is. You have to have Hodgkin's disease and schizophrenia, and then there's that possibility that something happened to him when he was a kid. You know, like, just so much trauma, man. And the 70s where everything was so damn taboo. It's funny because... It was more okay to say you had a haunting than it was to say you were sexually abused. Sick. Uh, it says that Philip admitted to having committed obscenities similar to those attributed to the demonic entities uh, said to reside in the family's home. It was hard to ignore. It could be said that rather than being attacked by unseen supernatural creatures, the family were instead being abused by Philip. Mm. That's... And, difficult. <laughs> and that their fantastical claims were invented as a form of psychological coping. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of that's possible. Yeah. Every bit of that's possible. Every bit of it. And, you know, it can manifest itself. And, and again, I mean, you could believe that that is what is indeed happening to you. And, and we talk about that a lot. It's like, are people just hallucinating? Are they just seeing things a certain way? Well, yeah, I mean, are, are they, <clears throat> you know, you hear it a lot. Um, I think sometimes it's, it's said kind of in a joking way. But when, you, when you're going through a really tough experience, mm-hmm. they say, go to your happy place. Right. So y- your mind invents things to help you deal with what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so if you didn't want to admit that your son was doing all of this to your family. What a distraction. Yeah. And yeah, you could, you could have believed it too. Um, so moving on to Ed and Lorraine in their uh, in, inconsistencies. Um, so one of, the, one of the first things out of the bat is that they claim to have arranged an exorcism to be performed on the house. Right. Did you not learn from the parent haunting <laughs> what can go wrong? Right. Well, when questioned on television at the time, Ed referred to the priest who conducted the exorcism as Father A, who had supposedly appeared on television before. But when pressed to give more detail, Ed, rep- Ed responded with disproportionate aggression by saying, Father A, that's the name I give you. I don't have to give you anything else. Jeez, Father Abraham. Yeah. Many sons. <laughs> uh, Ed went on to state that evidence of the priest being there could be proven by official records from the chancellery. Yet, the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Hartford, which covers the area where the Snedekers lived, reported that no officially sanctioned exorcism rite had taken place there. Well, you know, they... The Warrens were known to do exorcisms themselves. And at the time, it may have, as a way to cover their asses, was to say that a priest was involved. Yeah, yeah. Well, because, like, you know, I think you and I and Keith have talked about it before, how, um, 
there, nobody outside of the priest is supposed to do it. Right. So, um, throughout the televised interview in which the Warrens appeared alongside Carmen and Alice Snedeker, Ed did not Ed did not engage in the debate. Instead, he can be seen dogmatically and aggressively enforcing his views. Ed even accuses one of the neighbors of being paid off by the landlord to dispute the Snedeker's claims. When Joe Nickel, a skeptical investigator, appeared on the set of the television show, Ed also berated him aggressively and constantly talked over him. This is in quotes. What are you going to do about it? Ed Warren said when Nichols said he should be careful who he calls a liar. <laughs> Afterwards, Nichol even claimed that Ed made veiled threatening asides to me and offstage swore like a sailor. Well, I mean... Catholic doesn't mean you're... <laughs> yeah, goody two-shoes, that's for sure. So, you met my father? <laughs> um, Ed Warren's other on-screen appearances connected with the case can be said to do little to help alleviate the image of him being arrogant and short-tempered. In another interview, when questioned by reporters about the priest who supposedly conducted the exorcism at the property, Ed once again became hostile, shouting, and gesticulating ag- aggressively. This is baloney, he said on camera. Come on, let's get out of here. After this, he started to walk off camera. As he walked away, the reporter asked him to stay and answer some more questions for the sake of improving his credibility. Ed responded by simply saying, I don't care about credibility, pal. (laughs) Yeah, definitely one thing the uh, movies do not uh, insinuate in any way, shape, or form is that Ed had a temper. Well, and it, and it makes me wonder, like you said, they were well-established at this point. Maybe they didn't know what they were getting into. Sure, yeah. Maybe the media was getting to getting to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe they started out wanting to just help people, and then it became something else. So, because, I mean, I can see that happening. For sure, for sure. I mean, look what's happened to us just in the past, right. you know, year. Just a... Uh, We've gotten way deeper than we ever expected to get. You know, just talking to Matt um, Tiller the yeah a couple weeks back. Right. So just <laughs> right. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. You want knowledge. Sometimes that knowledge comes at a price, which is what Crawley will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a couple more things here on Mr. Uh, Warren. Um, Ed Warren's lack of interest and credibility in connection with the case is something which the author Ray Garten, remember he's the guy who was hired to document things, has confirmed. When interviewed for a horror-bound magazine, Garten described how he once approached Warren with concerns about the inconsistencies with the Snedeker's testimonies. Warren, excuse me, Garten has claimed, responded by saying, Oh, they're crazy. All the people who come to us are crazy. You think sane people would come to us? After condemning the Snedekers, Warren supposedly told Garton to just use what works from their testimonies and then make the rest up. Just make it up and make it scary. God, at that point, it almost seems as if the Warrens are coming forward with a check. You know, and they're the ones saying, give me the rights to your story. Give me the rights to your story. Right. Which we saw 
didn't really happen with the parents a whole lot. Yeah, well, that was a lot earlier on in their career. Yeah, you know, and so... At that point in time, they're still trying to make a name for themselves. Right, because they saw things, because, I mean, even with the Amityville horror, Jay Ansem and stuff was the one that wrote that, and the Warrens did not. They're only lightly mentioned in the book. Um, but I think at that point, they're seeing sales happening. Yeah. You know, they're seeing things happening, and they're like, well, we could do this. You right. Know? And so... Right. They had to. Uh, one thing I've never read is how they made their money if they weren't doing these ghost investigations, right? So yep. it's like they're selling know, their rights. They're selling rights. They're 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 taking what they can. Oh, that sucks, man. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's stuff you always hear. You know what I mean? But it's like to come face to face with it too. It's kind of it sucks because you know you want to love Ed and Lorraine so much, you know. But they're they're people too. Yeah. At the end of the day. Um, the uh, so see, let's see. The case's connection to fiction can also arguably be seen as similar to the popular 1982 horror film, The Entity. Uh, in this film, the female protagonist is repeatedly assaulted by an invisible supernatural entity. In the interview, one of the nieces, called Tammy by the interviewer, draws parallels between the movie and what she experienced. According to the reporter, the character in the film is attacked almost identically to the description by Carmen of her own experiences. That's crazy. I know that movie very well, actually, and I had no idea that there was connections to this. And it's interesting because the main characters, their last names were, um, where'd it go? I was just looking at it. Uh, Snyderman. Huh. <laughs> Which is very close yeah. to Snedeker, you know what I right. mean? Like, yeah. Wow. Um, both Carmen and her niece are described as having affection for the entity film in the interview. Could it be that this affection transformed into inspiration for an entity of their own creation? I mean, it's possible, though, you know, the, uh, from everything I've heard about the entity was that it was based on the Doris Bither case, which we've got on our topic list to talk about, which was the first real kind of documented paranormal rape, sexual assault yeah. that's on record, really. Um, so... You know, it's interesting. I, I, I mean, I could see as a writer in Hollywood of me trying to find other uh, other instances of mm-hmm. this to, to pull from. So that I definitely don't disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it says clearly there are a lot of evidence available to condemn the Snedeker case, although not enough to entirely dismiss it as a complete fabrication. Mm. Um, after all, it must be considered what kind of a person would construct such an abhorrent lies about their family, their children, being abused in such a manner? I mean, that's something you brought up before, right? Yeah. I mean, to, to make all this up, to put your family through this. It just... it just. But again, if you're... So, on the one hand, it's it's like, why would you put your family through this? But on the other hand, if you've got, like, less than a penny in the bank... Yeah. Now, I can understand falling into an axle accidental hole that was dug so to speak in terms of lies you know it's like where you kind of you've you've found yourself going oh shit i'm just kind of agreeing with this stuff now you know and you don't know how to get out of it and now there's money on the line and there's things like that you know like finding out that the son may have molested these kids and, right. and some things like that. It's kind of like you get to a point, well, then now your family's going to be embarrassed. And right. there's so much pride that goes oh, yeah. into all of this stuff. So do I think 
that they intentionally set out to uh, do this? No. Do I think they kind of realized it wasn't what it got turned into and just kept running with it? Yes. Whereas, like, you know, George Lutz, I think that guy was a schmuck through and through. And he knew he was buying a home where a bunch of people had been murdered. And he was already into the occult and paranormal and New Age stuff, which a lot of people don't know about um, already. So do I think he... He, he definitely lied, yes. Do I think his kids had some shit that happened to them? Yes, I think unintentionally. Yeah. I think stuff did happen in that house. But George himself, he fabricated so much of it. Well, so getting around to a little bit of a support for things happening in the house. So that's And that's what this, is, that's what this article kind of drives down to. And this is where I agree with. So... Um, John Zaffis. Right. Yeah, we know John. Um, So he he was actually, and I didn't know this at the, I didn't know this until I read this article. Did you know that he is the nephew of Ed and Lorraine Warren? (laughs) No, I did not know that. And hey, John, get back to us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're still trying to get you on the show. (laughs) So he described an experience that he had when he was there helping them over the course of the nine weeks for the investigation. Um, he stated that he was uh, studying some notes on the dining room table when the room grew bitterly cold. Zaphis is reported to having said, I could sense a presence around me. Uh, supposedly, he attempted in vain to get somebody to wake up in the living room when all of a sudden he looked up the stairs and saw an apparition starting to form. He has... he described smelling a disgusting odor odor so foul that it restricted his ability to breathe. Demons are a 13-year-old that don't wear uh, deodorant, (laughs) one or the other. Uh, As the apparition manifest, he claimed he could hear a noise that sounded like thousands of flapping wings coming from behind Oh, that's Mothman. Yeah. Uh, This hideous being supposedly descended the stairs towards him. As it approached, it is alleged to have spoken to Zaphis, and it said... Do you know what they did to us? Do you know? The experience terrified the Warren's nephews to the, to such extent that he would not return to the house for several days. Sometime afterwards, when questioned about the case, he's reported to have stated that compared to that house, the other cases I had been involved with were like dealing with Casper the Friendly Ghost. Jeez, and that's like... More than likely being involved in the Enfield haunting yeah. and, and the parents and Amityville and, and things like that. That's remarkable. Um, so. I did, real quick, I did uh, when just kind of looking up uh, the entity and uh, Doris and stuff in her story down at the bottom was a term that I had not heard before. Um, but it is called spectrophilia. And that is when someone is essentially having sex with a ghost or vice versa or being attracted to a ghost which which is a thing um yeah but that's called spectrophilia no matter which side of the equation it happens on that that's something i'd never heard of before but and i even checked old june bletzer's book ain't in there Um, i wonder if necrophilia is in there it probably is (laughs) but i'm like i want to do an update i want to be like i want to hit up her family and be like can we do a revised version can we do an an addendum yeah (laughs) so um couple of last little thoughts here the uh, uh, Lorraine uh, had you know the the medium uh, istic abilities and right. she discovered 
that morticians who had previously worked at the funeral home had committed vile acts on the dead and that these unnatural actions had drawn demonic entities into the property. Um, Speaking of necrophilia. (laughs) Uh, Whilst whilst an official exorcism has not been confirmed or or to have ever taken place in the property, there have been priests involved in the case. One has stated that they felt a strange pressure upon entering the house. Um, And then I'll just, you know, this is my closing stance. So um, I would say that the Snedekers did indeed experience some form of activity. But I think they exaggerated a lot of it for publicity and financial gain. So again, I think something happened there. But then once they realized, hey, we could get something out of this, they made it bigger than what it was. I mean, I, I, I get it. It's like I said, I, I hate to say it because this ruins everything, but I, I get it. You know, I get it. Especially if your kid's in the hospital, you're broke, yeah. and you find this way. I mean, we do stupid things. Even at 41, I still make stupid decisions. Yeah, I mean, I bought a lottery ticket today. The odds are <laughs> way against me, but hey, maybe I'll get lucky. Maybe you'll get lucky. I mean, the dude in Louisville won a scratch-off, million-dollar scratch-off last week. Wow. Happened in Louisville. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, I get it. And, I, and I've said this a million times. Uh, let's play the other side of it. It's like, if something happened to me that crazy, like, I've talked about a lot of stuff that's happened to me on here. Right. If if a publishing firm offered me a million dollars to uh, write my story, you better damn well believe I'm yeah. going to do it. If Hollywood hits me up and says, hey, we want to do a TV show on your experiences, you better believe I'm going to do it. I but mean, that, I love this, but this is not a nonprofit. But that being said, you wouldn't fabricate stories no. to, to help your case. I, I At least I don't think that I would. You know what I mean? At the end of the day... I'm an improviser. I'm a storyteller, you know, and if they're pushing me and they're saying, listen, we need more. Like, at what point do you do you not lie when they're writing a fiction based off your fact? Yeah, I don't you know. know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying and it and it's hard because you got to fill a whole book. Yeah, but it's but it's all it's hard to say one way or the other. Because there's not actually a million dollar check sitting in front of you. Right. And and that's, I think, a lot of the reasons why a lot of these haunted cases are written. These nonfiction books are written by other authors because at the end of the day, it's the author that filled in the blanks. Right. You know, not the not the humans. Yeah. <laughs> well, not the family. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as as far as that presence and the fact that you know the other neighbor of the upstairs neighbor never really had any experience i mean if 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 philip well i'm not if i mean he went to to juvenile detention for it so obviously they found enough yeah they found enough evidence so because philip did those things i mean philip could have very well attracted all of that negative Sure, energy. we haven't even talked about possible possession. Yeah. I mean, especially if he's schizophrenic and already has an opening in his brain and, yeah. and then Hodgkin's disease to boot and then you're on medication, well, you're stressed it, out, you're you know, you're sexually, you know, like I said, most people don't just sexually abuse somebody, they kind of it was learned. Yeah. Well, and I want to be careful here because I don't want to imply that all abusers are are possessed. Oh, no, not at all. I'm saying in this case, you know, like in this case. In this case, could he have been? Yes. 
but could, there's could also a have, very strong possibility that he was just an abuser. For sure, and that's what I said. It's like, because, you know, one thing, it's like we've said in the very beginning, and this is getting real soap opera but it's like, why were the nieces living there? You know, was the was their uncle, you know, right. was their father, their mom, or somebody like that abusive? Did right. Philip catch some of that? I mean, it's yeah, like... Yeah, there's a lot of other back history here that we don't which have. Is the th- which is interesting because that's the questions you and I always ask first. Whenever anyone approaches us about a case, like, those are the questions we ask first. And I, and I guess that's with my experience yeah. and things like that. Immediately, I want to know what kind of trauma is in this household. Right. Are you guys a good, good clean family... Or is there some shit going on right. that we could look into mentally and socially that could, you know, create some of these issues? Right. Right. That's that's what I want to know. That's what I want to clear first. Right. And foremost, because then, like we said, yeah, because if there is some trauma, it can go either way. It could be making it up, looking for attention, or it could be, man, a, some sort of dark spirit sees this as an opening and sees a mind that can be easily, you know, walked into or manipulated. It doesn't even mean possession. It could just be easily manipulated. Here's somebody that's schizophrenic. Um, so it's possible mo- most schizophrenia, they hear voices. You know, what if they take advantage of that? You know, like the spirit or this dark entity or something like that, to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, it's just there's so much to consider. Well, so I just much. so I was thinking about uh, really the approach that we have is and I'm turn I'm going to steal from Arthur Conan Doyle. Great, I love this quote. I already know which one it is. Once you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the truth. Yeah. And so, and, that, and that's what to your point, we try to ask all those questions up front to eliminate the obvious. Yeah. Right. The you know, is there is there something going? You know, were you recently? divorced and dating again is there a reason to act out did you have a new child in the family is there a reason to act? so on and so forth so there's any number of reasons that that could be both naturally creating a situation that is what you're experiencing and or um, naturally creating a uh, environment that allows for unnatural things right to occur. and that's where I sit on things because my experience with trauma as well as paranormal trauma is is that that seems very likely. I mean, you take the case of the parents and Andrea and them. It was a very stressful, stressful, stressful move in the middle of winter right. to move into this house somewhere the father didn't even want. The mom went behind the back to do it. There's all these kids. Things are well, stressful. Like, it, it was like days before Christmas. Yeah, days before Christmas. It was freezing. They couldn't get the heater right. I mean, just so much stuff. And if there are spirits in that house... It's like being attracted to a light. Yeah. You know, it's 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 like being attracted to a light. It's a moth to a flame. Burned so. by the fire. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I mean, that's just... And, and and I know that, and I and I talk to people that talk about. It. I mean, just talking to Santiago Cirillo, who, uh, by the way, um, is if you haven't listened yet, was on um, Mysteries of the Dark this past week. But he talks about a lot about that, about his experiences with attempted suicide and things like that. That his his paranormal gifts came out after those because he he believes he opened the door to death essentially, and it stayed open. And he is able to, I mean, just feel these spirits and, and things happen whenever he's around yeah. and, and stuff like that. And I get that. I, I That's stuff that happens to my sister and, and I. And yeah, it, yeah. It, just so, makes, it just makes you wonder. We don't know enough to just discount it. Right. That's my, yeah. my point. Well, and so, that, yeah. So, so to, to, to kind of say all this again, 
Um, we don't know. In, in a, you know, the, the the thing that I read in the very, you know, I think towards the, the towards the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, you can't. We are just outside looking in, and yeah. we're and we're not even first person outside. No, and looking here in. we are forty, almost fifty years later. Right? Or no, so, no, 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 thirty years. Thirty later. years later, <laughs> but still. I mean, but I mean, we're outside looking in. We're 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 looking at information that pe- that someone has gathered together and made available f- to folks online. <clears throat> I mean, we don't really know what happened in the house. We, we know that Philip was up to some no good, but that doesn't mean that other things weren't up to no good either. Correct. So, and like I said, could have pushed those urges, which is what the whole George Lutz, what he he talked about. I mean, if we were to believe his story, is that these these spirits, these demons, or whatever, fed on that anger yeah. and fed on that paranoia, which we've seen with friends we've got. Right. I mean, it, it's possible. well, you know, I mean, there's just like there is there's light energy in the world, there's, there's dark, dark energy in the yeah. world, and so I mean, we fuck, we just look at dark matter, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and I mean, there, there, science has proven that there is dark exactly, energy. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we and we don't really know what kind of influence that dark energy has. I've so. seen Event Horizon. I know exactly what it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just watching Event Horizon gives me dark. dark you so. it so does. Um, um, that was fascinating, man. It's like, yeah, I highly encourage watching the movie. It's still a good horror movie. Um, I, I, I really enjoy the movie. In fact, now I want to rewatch it again. Second one's duty. Um, <laughs> but and it, it inspired a number of the haunting of yeah movies. Oh right. God, there's so many of Molly Hartley and just well, and yeah, and how how much how much money is the is the Warrens and their and their family making off? Uh, I know is 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 Zaphis that's getting it now, or their kids, or uh, <laughs> or what? Because um, sidebar, speaking of the Warrens, you see that that hoax that went around the internet for like two days saying that Annabelle had disappeared from the Warrens Museum and then no. they found out that it was a hoax. Like, not a hoax, um, but someone had reported and everyone just jumped on it because Annabelle's hot right now. And of course the Warren household and museum was like, uh, no, she's still here and took a picture. Like, somebody had just made it up. But I mean, I don't, I can't yeah. even tell you how many people were like, did you hear that Annabelle's gone? Like, hitting me up and I'm like, it's not true. <laughs> like most of the things on social media, it's not true. Yeah, like nobody checks facts, man. Um, but yeah, thank you, Josh, for that. That was very detailed, very good. Snedeker's. I, I'll tell you what, though. I mean, I just bought the uh, Enfield Haunting book, yeah. the one by Leon. Now I kind of want to read in, in, in this dark place or whatever it is and kind of just kind of read that point of view because I've read the Amityville Horror from Jay Ansem yeah. and um, it's fascinating. Just well, it's kind of like, read. you know, you've and read... And Andrea's books as well. Well, you, 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 when it comes to Mothman Prophecies, you've read both sides, so mm-hmm. why not? Yep. All right, well, uh, we got anything else before we move on and get out of here? Nope. All right, well, um, thank you again, Snedeker Haunting. There is a lot of information you can find online. You can find movies, documentaries, yeah, I, I, nine yards. I, I will say when I researched this, I started first by looking into haunting in Connecticut. And unfortunately, all I got was a lot of stuff supporting the movie. The movie, yeah. So once once I started looking at it as the haunting of the Snedekers, right. then that's where I actually got some yep. from real account information. So. Yep. Well, speaking of spooky stories, <laughs> let's get into our listener story for the week. This one comes from Ian Shears, uh, a, a guy from Michigan, um, and he sent this story into us. And I had our good friend Daniel Doremus 
um, do the story. He's he's the voice actor this week portraying this. So let's go ahead and check out Ian Shear's story. Hi, Spooky Crew. I'm Ian Shears, and I live in Michigan. The house I grew up in was very haunted. The most notable experience was when I was 17. It was a dark, blizzardy night. I was drifting off to sleep, and around that time, I heard a hollow intake of air. The temperature in my room plummeted, and I felt an overpowering presence. I shut my eyes and tried to control my breathing. Then, suddenly, I felt a hand on my left shoulder. It was the coldest feeling I have ever felt to this day. I booked it downstairs and didn't sleep in that room again for ten years. That's hard. Wow, that's like <laughs> ten years. I mean, geez. Ian, what I want to know is, why were you like, you know, it's the ten-year anniversary of me having that cold-ass <laughs> hand on my arm. Yeah, I'm going to sleep back in here tonight. Like, is that? that's what I want to know, Ian. So if you're listening, hit me up. Send me a PM. I want to know. I want to know what made you, because obviously you just insinuated you started sleeping in that room again. I want to know what made you go, yeah. I think it's cool now. It was probably like, no you got to get your ass off this couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, we got this whole room. <laughs> You've been sleeping in the kitchen or you, under the dining room yeah. table. You have ruined three couches sleeping on them. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time, you could go sleep in the basement. There's like funeral parlor stuff. Yeah. Or you could go back in that room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, cool story though, yeah. man. Like, I, you know, if you've ever experienced anything um, like that, where you know you've you, most of us have experienced brushes or or things like that with with a spirit, but like to have that hand on your shoulder or there, it does. It sends cold chills, not just a shiver, but legit, like your blood turns to ice. It's it's frightening. So, I got to question for you. I, I don't know if this is just phantom or what, but so, you know, I've got kids and when they're in the back, when they are actually in the car, sometimes they'll put their feet on the bottom of my seat mm-hmm. and push and I'll feel it in my back. Right. Like on an airline. Yeah. Your well, kids are those kids. So, um, well, actually on the airline, they're, they're pretty good. I'm but just it, kidding. But anyways, <laughs> when they're not in the car, I occasionally feel the same pressure. Well, it's like the, it's like the, uh, cell phone buzz. Like, yeah. I carry my cell phone a lot in my, if I have a shirt that has a um, breast pocket, yeah. like, sits in front, I feel, <laughs> I feel my left titty buzz <laughs> a lot, or I'll feel, like, my left pocket buzz, like, where I also keep it, I, a lot, and the fact of the matter is, I don't even really keep it on vibrate anymore, because <laughs> it goes off so much, because yeah. it's just so much stuff, that it's like, I still get the phantom buzzes, and it just, it's crazy to me. Well, that's, you know, it, it made me think about it the other day because we were going over to, to Waverly and I felt it. Mm-hmm. It made me think about your, you know, your whole, there's a ghost that lives in my car thing. Right. Um, and it made me think, you know, is there something actually sitting in the back seat putting, oh, it, putting, its, foot, putting its foot in my back? Or is it just muscle memory, right? Yeah. You know, flexing and, right. and looking for that or, you know, who knows? I don't know. Super. But it makes you wonder if, like, in this case where he's got this hand on his shoulder, was that... You know, did he always, did somebody always walk up and put their hand on their shoulder? Well, it's interesting because you know the old saying that when you have a cold chill, it means someone's walked over your grave in the future, right? And so I've always. I've never heard that. You've never heard that? No. Oh, yeah. That um, when you get a cold chill, it's supposed to imply that someone's walked over your grave. Like that's an old urban legend type thing. Um, So I get cold chills 
a lot. And my friend Paul, never. He's like, I just don't get them. Like, he's never had, like, a cold chill. Oh, I get them all the time. Well, he's always said, you know, he wants cremated and, like, splashed in the ocean or something like that. Where me, I want to be buried, and I want people to be able to come visit me. And it makes me wonder. I'm like, oh, man, well, am I some celebrity or something where hundreds of people are constantly walking over my grave in the future, right? Or because you were murdered and you're underneath a sidewalk. (laughs) This is also true. This is also very, very true. Yeah, it's like my wife goes to dump my ashes and trips and falls, and it's in New York City, and she's like, well, there you go. (laughs) Good night, honey. (laughs) You're on Broadway. I also get this weird smell all the time of pigeons. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, very, very. There's another thing, too. It's supposed to be about an angel. I I don't remember what it is. It's like... Or uh, the other thing was is that when you get a cold chill, supposedly a ghost has walked through you. Oh. I've heard that one as well, but I don't know. I'm rambling now, so let's get out of here. When I get cold chills, (laughs) I have to pee, so yeah. So you got a cold chill right now? I can see it. I got to pee. I got to pee. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Remember to go to fearscapemedia.com to check out the Fearscape Media Network. Uh, Check out all the other podcasts and shows that we have on there. Check out our store, our Patreon, the whole nine yards, and, and then, you know, tell all your friends because Josh I know you you get sad because you know yeah. you need people to review I need people like. to review I mean like I've got a little tear rolling down my cheek I can right see now it. it's literally rolling like a tire yeah um, but yeah get on there like share review uh, give us a hand and uh, help us get out there to the world so but uh, we'll leave that in your hands my friends a cold hand that sits on your shoulder <laughs> <laughs> of an 81 year old grandmother who wakes up in Siberia right uh, but no we're gonna get out of here thank you guys so much this has been Stefan and I I will catch you on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And remember, everybody, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you. Too much. <laughs> Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. Ha 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 ha!